listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast, and it is so easy to get lost on the creative journey. I don't even have to tell you that. That's why this show exists, to help you get back on the path to realizing your creative potential. Man, I want some of that. This is your host, Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into this episode. On the show today, I had a conversation with Sean Donthes, a.k.a. Furry Little Peach. You may know her. You probably do from her massive Instagram and massive YouTube following. This is an artist that absolutely deserves all of that and more. Her work is incredible. She did a whole Peachtober thing where she was doing a brand new, fully finished painting every day. It looked insane and it was super inspiring. I loved it. And her her illustration is great. It's very in the wheelhouse of my tastes and and her YouTube is incredible. She is so great on there. It's so relaxing, inspiring, funny. I feel like Sean is such a great example of how to thrive as a creator in this day and age. And I feel like she embodies so many creative pep talk principles and more, all kinds of other things you can learn from her. And I just think she's going to be an incredible example of just really walking the creative journey super well. And I wanted to get her on this show and kind of deconstruct and unpack her creative journey and her practice and so many great little tactics and tips and, and, and ideas and mindsets came from this conversation that I've been thinking ever since we chatted. Um, you're going to love it. If you don't know Furry Little Peach, go check out Sean on Instagram at Furry Little Peach or YouTube. Go watch some of her blogs. Just put it on the background. It's going gonna, it's gonna to increase your inspiration and creativity and really pep you up. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Here she is, Sean Donthes, a.k.a. Furry Little Peach. The first question I was going to ask you, though, slightly more serious, mm-hmm. is what was it like having supportive parents that get you? 
It was, well, first of all, I don't know what it's not like, but I have to say, I feel like it has relieved a lot of like the stress of being a young person being like, I want to do creative things. Because my parents, I had yeah. creative family. Like my mum was in advertising. I have an uncle that's like a playwright and a food critic. And my older sister, like my older half sister, she's like, she was in design and then she became a fine artist. So there's already like the blueprint for me, like that it could work out, that it can happen. And I think they yeah. are like, it can happen. So there wasn't anyone to be like, don't do that. You might die doing that, choosing that path. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that alone was so helpful because it wasn't seeding doubt in my mind when I was a kid. And I think that's when people stop being creative is when they're like, oh, I can't do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that I and think so that is had that the whole time. Yeah. It's made it a lot of a smoother ride. And I think it's probably instilled a lot of like confidence in myself as well. And, I, you know, uh, I was planning on asking this later, but I feel like it's kind of connected. Maybe it's just the product of having supportive family, uh, but online, you just you just seem so happy. And I was, yeah. my wife and I have been talking about how I'm always trying to show different sides of myself online mm -hmm. because I don't want it to be inauthentic. I don't want anybody to think that it's just like, here comes a pep talk, beep, beep, all the time, just like, you know, all that energy. Because the truth is a lot of the time I feel grumpy and I, or mm -hmm. I feel, you know, discouraged or whatever. Um, and I was just curious if, you know, do you have all those mm -hmm. emotions or you, yeah. Okay. I am a right. full human. I have that the wide range of emotions. It's just like hard to capture sometimes. I try and keep it authentic. Like yeah. I try so hard, like if it is on camera and it's like not too tragic, I will share it. Like there's been times where I, I'm trying to explain how stressed I am about like booking, overbooking myself and I'm crying in a vlog and I'll just keep it in because that's just the real emotion. Or like I'm, if I'm having a hard time with overworking myself or like overbooking myself and I'm like reading something that someone sent me, like I did a PO box opening recently and like just people's words like really touch me like just saying that what I'm doing touches them and that it's important I just like cry and it's just like I'll leave that in because it's like I'm not ashamed I think I have shamelessness I don't know if it's how, how I was raised or something but I feel like I don't have something that makes me feel like I should not be putting this on the internet obviously I'm not sharing my like showers <laughs> or whatever which would be right. fine if I was but it's not like I'm yeah. not doing that but I just mean like yeah I'm not afraid to show like the full breadth of emotion. It's just like, obviously you don't catch all that all the time, you know? Yeah. But I think in general, yeah, I am happier. Like, I think I bounce back really quickly. I don't, I have no problem sharing full range of emotion, but like what you were saying, I think the trouble for me is when you're grouchy or when you're discouraged, you don't necessarily feel mm -hmm. like flipping on a camera mm -hmm. or a microphone or whatever. And so I think that that's become kind of tricky, but I don't know you personally. But mm -hmm. I followed you online for quite some time, and I do feel like you, you seem to have, like, a good reserve. And I was like, I wonder if that's nature, nurture, whatever, of just I resolve. I don't know. I think my mom is a lot like me. Like, she's very up, very positive. So maybe it's that, those vibes. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like this is my personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also on, right. on the topic of like sharing like your full breadth of emotions and stuff, sometimes it's not productive to share like the raw emotions. Sometimes it's better to like reflect on those emotions and then share your experience. So like, it, would we enjoy a podcast where you're having like a full on breakdown just live? Like, I just feel like maybe not, maybe that would be just be like, Oh my God, is he okay? <laughs> That's what, yeah, I kind of feel that way too. And I actually think it's a good, I, I've kind of landed on, it's a good boundary mm. for me. If I'm really in a bad place, I don't feel like it's good for me to share that. I feel mm. like I do want to process that with people that are close to me mm -hmm. and, you know, a, a therapist or you yeah. know, something like that. Um, I think you're, I think you're right on that, but I, I do, I want it there to be kind of an authentic uh, you know, picture of what it means, especially yes. with the podcast, what it means to ha be on a creative journey. Mm -hmm. um, and that's speaking the same as me. Which, that's why I made the vlog. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's why yes, I made no, the vlogs. I like, uh, I saw this, I saw a video of this girl moving into her college dorm room and I was like, this is boring stuff. Like maybe my boring stuff, like, and I found that interesting. Maybe my boring stuff can be interesting for people. And then I thought about like, what are all the things an illustrator does, but you don't know about? Like when people think of an illustrator, they think of just someone who draws, right? But there's so much more than that. There's like pitching decks, there's concepting, there's meetings, there's like 
you know, freaking out, there's overbooking yourself. There's all of these things that you're like, you're doing every day that are not the drawing, all the things that surround the drawing. And I wanted to like document that because I think it's important for young creatives to see that, not just the romantic view of drawing all day long, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I act, that was something I'm very curious about is as I'm watching your vlogs or any of the videos that you do, I'm thinking I find myself being very interested in those seemingly mundane in between mm. things. Like just as you were describing, when you're showing those things, I'm like, this is very enjoyable. To, like, yeah. th I'm loving that. And one of the questions I had for you was, I'm very interested in what is the kind of juice of a thing? Like what is the secret sauce of why an illustration works, why a video works, why does... Why does a movie make you cry? I'm like, I love getting into the, like, what is it? And then, mm. you know, creating kind of a utility belt for myself of like, these are the processes that I use. And so I was curious about how you knew, and you kind of talked about it a little bit just now with that person moving into the dorm, but how, as you're making stuff, how do you sift through footage and, because I bet it seeps into the illustration stuff. How do you know it's like, this is the good stuff? Hmm. I think it, it just comes to shooting stuff, having like a range of imagery that's really vloggy. So it's like holding in actually what's happening in the moment and then setting up shots that are pretty, like I'm very inspired by movies and stuff like that. So like treating it like a little bit of a movie and balancing those two shots and then shooting enough so that you can piece together a narrative at the end. Like I love my vlogs, like I don't feel satisfied unless it's like there's a start point and an end point that makes sense, which can be bad because then it's like, I have like a month of footage. Like, how am I going to edit this <laughs> into yeah, like 20 minutes? I, I don't know. I think it's a mixture of something that's real and something that people can relate to and something that's a little bit nicer and something that's it, it, like more entertainment, you know, balancing like reality and entertainment, like not like reality TV, but you know what I mean? Like real life stuff, the stuff that's not so nice or the stuff that's not so pretty or the business stuff or just planning things, things that people can like hold on to and the stuff that's prettier like do you have a nice studio or do you have like a beautiful life or a beautiful morning routine or something like that? You know what I mean? Balancing the two. Cause no one wants to see the real, real, real. The real, real is just like waking up at 10 a.m. being like, huh? <laughs> Actually, that was fun to watch you say that. Um, <laughs> Maybe I will do it. It's a good little, a good little bit. I, I also, it kind of, as you're describing it, feels a little bit like akin to what, you know, an observational comic might do of, do you find yourself at, with like your little internal noticer metal detector as you're making stuff, as you're going about your day, you just find little things of like, Ooh, I've never filmed that. That looks mm. nice. Is that kind of how it works? I think because I've been doing it so long, I know when I'm, what parts of the process I think will be interesting in a video, especially cause I'm very like, I'm editing in my mind kind of like when I'm like, okay, what do I want to include? Which parts of the process? And then I shoot more than that and then cut it down in editing. But I think, um, I just try and think about what do I like to see in videos? I don't like people like, I don't like introductions that are over a minute. Like when people are over a minute, I'm like, faster, faster. I want to get to the good stuff. So I try and keep it really snappy. Like if I'm rambling, I'll try and cut it down. You might have to cut me down. Cause I'm like, I'm a rambler, but, um, <laughs> but I like, this I just try stuff. it. I just try and think about like, what do I like to consume? Because what I like to consume, like I'm a human, I'm not that unique. Like other people will enjoy that too. Especially people that are interested in what I like. You want to find those people. You want to find people with like similar taste to you, you know? Yeah. And you know, you're talking about hours and hours of footage and I'm whenever you start talking about drawing you're just like it's like a kid like energy of excitement mm. of like drawing like every time <laughs> every time you talk about it I'm like yeah that's awesome that gets me excited about drawing um but then I think about I know what it takes to produce you know I've made some video in my day I'm not I'm nothing like what you have but uh, I know what it takes to produce video and it's a lot of a lot of capture a lot of editing all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff it's kind of an unconventional career in that mm -hmm. it's, this is new ways of being an illustrator. And part of that is not just being an illustrator, doing these other things. You seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, But I knowing do. how much you love drawing, 
How, yeah. How, how do you how balance do you, it? Do you feel that, that? Yeah. How do you balance? And I haven't heard you talk about your passion for video or your passion mm-hmm. for performing or, mm-hmm. you know, what a, I'd love to hear you talk about that side of it. I think I love editing. I think that's the part of it I love. Unfortunately, it takes so much time. So eventually I think I'm going to have to get someone to help me. So it's like, I don't want to let go of that part. With your question about how to balance it, I think because I started making work at the point, like I've had the internet the whole time I've been making work. Like I've been sharing when I was the worst, like, and it's still on Tumblr. You can find it if you want. It's kind of embarrassing, but nice to go down memory lane. But it's like just a part of my process. Like I don't see them. I think a lot of maybe not old world illustrators, I don't know how to explain it, but like people that are maybe pre-social media, they might compartmentalize it being like, I'm making the work now. Now I need to make the social media stuff. Like I accept it as part of the process. I'm able to run my business, make the work I love, be able to make a living from it because I'm sharing stuff online. I don't, um, I'm not like as much at the mercy of the gatekeepers of the industry. I am not at the mercy of curators as much or agencies as much because we do everything ourselves. And I think that luxury and that privilege comes from sharing online. So I just accept it as a part of my process. And even to the point where I feel like the process isn't finished until like my audience sees it and I have feedback from them. It's just, it feels like as someone that works alone, it just gives it that sense of community and like, I don't know, it just feels so good. <laughs> Maybe I'm addicted to agree. it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's the, there's definitely a dark side or a downside. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I mean, I, I experienced some of that, but I, I, I kind of fall into the camp of art is as much about self-expression as it is being heard and communicating and having a, you know, relationship. Yeah. It's like, if you don't want any, if it's not for anyone else, why do you put it on the internet? Do you know what I mean? Like, why would you bother doing that if it's not for them too? But, um, yeah, I just think, I think people need to just accept it as part of the new process, especially like there's so much good that can come from it. And I think people only see the effort. They don't see like the results or they don't, they don't see how good it can be and like how good it can feel to, to show yourself and your work. So I think they just see it as effort and like, they're like, I hear people say like, oh, the algorithm's changing. It's like, just the rules are changing. Like you'll figure it out. Like you'll learn it. It's fine. I completely agree. And actually I've thought recently about how a lot of artists that get to, you know, way further down the road and they, they have had some big successes or whatever. Sometimes I'm like, because of whatever they're dealing with, whatever new struggles they're dealing with, mm. sometimes I hear them kind of downplay the experience of being understood as an artist, like mm. making something that you felt like was you and then finding other people that were like, that's me and that feeling. And I always think, man, if I could tell past me who was like struggling with the pictures and it mm. wasn't resonating and I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I was putting myself onto the page. I wish I could be like, no, it's awesome. When you mm. you get further down and you're telling stories that you're like, this is what I have on the inside. <laughs> and people are like, me too. It's freaking awesome. awesome. It's a very cool experience. Yeah, you know? it's very cool. I feel, I feel the same way. I have a question. Like, has your work always been like, I feel like our work is quite similar in that it's like, there's a sense of childlike naivety. There's like, there's yeah. simplicity in shapes. There's a lot of color. It's very like playful. Has your work always been like that? Like, I don't know what your work was like when you started. Like, what was it like? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, uh, I'm not going to let you turn the tables on me as an interviewer, but um, <laughs> this is my I podcast have so many now. questions for you. <laughs> uh, but I think I, um, I really related to like, uh, I heard um, Jim Gaffigan, who's a comic, said um, when he started out, he was really like the first couple times he went out on stage as a stand-up, he was very much himself and very mm. much who he is now. But then he spent like 10 years trying different personas. And I think it's a very like thesis, antithesis, synthesis thing of like mm-hmm. you, you yourself at the start, then you try to be something totally different, but that experience actually enriches so I think all these, I, it's a stupid way of answering saying at the start, there's a lot of stuff I made like right out of college where I'm like, if I made that today, I would be like, boom, that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of you, thing I do now. Essence. But then I went on this giant path of trying a billion other things and mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Did you, was it similar for you? 
Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if my, it's hard to say whether it was like really me back then. Cause when I started sharing and making stuff, I was like a teenager. I was like 16 or something. Like that's how long I've yeah. been sharing since I was 16. So it's like, I have changed since then as a person and I will continue to change, but I think it's the work I wanted to make. And then a lot of insecurities for me made me feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be making work like that. Like the work that I'm making now, I feel like I wouldn't have had the confidence to make a couple years in because I would be like, well, that's the work I'm expected to make because it's cute and it's playful and I'm like a girl and like, like I don't, I felt like I'm not going to be taken seriously if I make this work because it's what is expected of me. Do you know what I mean? So I think Absolutely. I veered away from it a little. Like, um, I just let those, let let that perception of what I thought people would think of the work I was making change it and I don't think it was ex as exciting and I don't think it was like as much me but now I'm like at a better place where it's just like I have so many ideas and it's just like bursting out of me and it just feels so good to like sit down and be able to confidently make work that I like you know absolutely me and my agent recently talk a lot about Keanu Reeves mm. and I keep thinking like here's a guy like in his stride like you know not a young man he but he's like crushing it right now mm -hmm. and, and i just have to feel that like this is someone who has accepted himself yeah he knows he knows the critics are like these are not oscar winning performances he i i love it i'm not criticizing it i'm just saying nobody's nobody's like this is the actor like that's not <laughs> keanu reeves but but people but he does his thing mm -hmm. people are like this is the people that like it. That is their they thing. They love it. Yeah. I, you have to find you, I, that there is that voice in you that's going to send you on this like side journey. I actually mm -hmm. think it's necessary to, to kind of go into the part. Like I, I tell people to like really try to be themselves. I really believe in that. But lately I've been thinking about like, I don't <laughs> think I would be able to be myself if mm -hmm. I hadn't spent a decade trying to be somebody else. Like, yeah, I, think, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like refining. You're like seeing what you don't want to be, but you have to try it first to see if it feels right. And then it doesn't feel right. So you're like, no, no. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it'll feel There's right later. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I do. I have thought a lot recently about like, there was a good period of time where I was really trying to resist myself. And mm -hmm. I felt like it was kind of essential in a way. And then you were um, like, I'm irresistible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I said to myself. I looked in the mirror one day. I was like, look, man, give it up. Why are you even trying? No, that's, that's awful. Um, okay, so I want to get like granular. Sometimes mm -hmm. this borderlines on like being pedantic because we're always talking about intuitive things. Mm -hmm. But I like getting, as a consumer, I like when creators kind of try to describe what you can't really describe. So okay. as you're... This can be, we should do painting and editing because those and performing, even those three good <laughs> it's categories. I so think I'm such a performer, so nice. I do, I do I think, I mean, I, I love like it feels natural like this when I'm on yeah. like when I'm talking to like doing book talks or something. I'm like so freaking out. Like, I'm like, who am I? Like, who am I? I feel like the I'm, nervousness stops me from being myself and it like is so stressful. I'm so I don't shocked. think I could do that. I'm shocked to hear you say that because I think you're a very natural performer. And I think- How interesting. Do you think, I mean, I mean, you do all these YouTube videos and you mm. seem very natural there and I think it, and you seem to enjoy it. Yeah, uh, but that's different. That's just like when you take a selfie or something, it's like no one's watching. If it's awful, like you don't have to share it. So there's low yeah. pressure. It's the high pressure. Like I feel like performing is high pressure, like in front of an audience or like in front of a camera crew or something. Once I had to do this thing where I was reading, reading a teleprompter, oh my God, it was so awful. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. And actually, you know, um, I have very similar feelings. I guess maybe I'm just trying to encourage you to not be yourself for a minute. Just try okay. not being yourself and go do those things because I think you, I think, I don't know, but you might, mm -hmm. that, I feel like that energy that you do on YouTube, I could see it going in all these different places. And, and for me, like when I would, we did like a bunch of, we've done a bunch of like Skillshare content. Oh, they're um, so and, good, Andy. They're so good. Uh, the animations. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, hey, that's Connor Jones. He's a buddy of mine and he is an incredible uh, animator and, and editor. He is, I love working with him. And so Shout I would encourage you, go find that Connor and get to edit your video so you can free up some of that time. But uh, okay, the Skillshare thing, whenever we started doing those, the first class 
I went from like making videos in my studio to doing it in front of like five people, mm-hmm. and I was like very intimidated, very. And but by the by the YouTube series we did, I remember just like prepping myself and being like, "Look, man, you're gonna go in there. There's gonna be ten other people in there. They're all gonna be watching you, judging you." You know, thinking, oh, you think you're funny? Okay, you know, what, whatever it is. And I just thought, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do it to, the, mm-hmm. to, to 11, even though I'm going to be dying inside trying it. And I do think at some point I've, I've gotten more comfortable. And maybe mm-hmm. it's not going to be your thing, but I'm just, in, yeah. I'm just encouraging you. I'll try. I'll always try. Even when I think I should say no because I'm scared, I say yes because I'm like, future me will be great. And then when I'm doing it, like when I'm doing the talks, I'm like, why did I do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally relate. Okay, back to the pedantic. I'm not thinking that now. I'm not thinking that now. Okay, that makes me happy to hear because I'm, I'm having a good time. <laughs> back to the, it's going to be hard to answer these questions perhaps. Okay. Um, what are the moments, can you give us even specific examples of moments with each of those creative processes mm-hmm. where you were like, that. Yeah, man. Like what is the thing in the process that does that for you? Yeah. Um, you want to start, you can start with illustration if you want. Or okay. The, do you mean like the first thing I saw that I was like, I want to do that more, more like when you're making something now, are there kinds of things that happen in the creative process mm-hmm. that have these like peak experience of like something goes to like for me, if I'm writing a story and it's kind of like break the story breaks, like the coin, I, I find a pattern. And I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, yes. And it's the most, it's the best creative feeling. And I feel like when I talk to creators, everybody has different kind of levels or versions of that in their different hmm. mediums. It's almost like when you surprise yourself for something. Hmm. Any, anything there? Well, I feel like it all is a process for me. I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. It just feels good to be doing it. I can't. There's nothing where I'm like, that's the thing. Cause it's like with editing, it's like, I love, like what drives me is I'm like, I'm timing it to the music. I'm like thinking about the movies. I like, how would it work in this movie? Then I get to do the titles and like hand draw the titles and I get to put those on. It just comes together. Like it's just the, you know what it is in everything. It's the end result that I keep in mind. It's like when I'm doing a book, like when books are so hard, they're like months and months, right? Of final artwork. And that for me is so long. And so what keeps me going through that is imagining the book as like a final piece when I'm editing and it's like a long edit, I'm like imagining the final edit. And then when it comes to like painting artwork, it's like, I already know what the piece is going to look like usually by the time it's like time to make it so it's always like the final I always try and keep the final thing in mind and that like drives me through the difficult times you know the halfway point where it's like the worst point ever and you're like this sucks halfway through the artwork halfway through the project halfway through the video it's like this is the worst thing ever why did I do this nothing's working this doesn't look good but then you think of like that thing you thought of at the start that spark thing that made you excited and gave you the electricity for the project it's like keep that in mind and then it like drives me through so I don't know if it's one thing, but I don't know. Okay, I love that Is answer. Is that an answer? It's a fantastic answer. And it's a hard question. It's a, I always want to ask this question, and I always know initially it's going to be like, ah. Because we don't think I get, about it, I guess. We just live yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's Do not, you, it's have a, you to- it, have, sorry, have you spoken about it before? Like on the podcast, do you want to, can you tell me what yours is or do I need to listen to it? Do you want to tell me an episode and I'll write it down yeah, and I'll listen to I can it tell later? You. <laughs> I can tell you and I'll just, you know, for me, more than any other thing, I would say it's like in free writing, whenever I'm trying to come up with an analogy or I've been working more on like kids book stories or mm. uh, stuff for talks or whatever, it's, a, it's always just like, I'll know the, the core of what I want to say and then I'll try to like, creative Ouija board, that kind of idea of like, just I'm writing around it. I'm following Mm. all these tangents and, and always, I love what you said about there's always the middle period of time where you're like, this is not going to be one of those times where it works out. Mm -hmm. And I, and so, but I've learned like, keep writing, keep writing, keep going, go to a different tangent, go there. And then like, you know, I would say like half of the time when I go through that process, I will get this weird connection, a pattern for me. It's just will be like, oh, I started here. I went there and they connect in a way that I didn't expect. Mm. And I'm like, yeah. And (laughs) and they'll be like that. I just love that. But I have that for other like illustration and stuff like that. But what I loved um, when you talked about pushing through that middle bit, 
I actually think that requires a lot of, and the bigger the project, right? That's why mm-hmm. books are so, like, uh, I've been trying to do grown-up books. Ooh. I always say that because... Grown-up is in, like, adult or is in, like, young reader or... <laughs> like, that's why I don't ever say adult books for, you know, books for grown-ups, like personal yeah. stories mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when the, the bigger the project, obviously, you know, just like a marathon, the bigger that... Me- that messy middle is that middle mm. period of, and so I've started so many books and quit because you're like, you get halfway and you're like, this mm. is awful. So it's, yeah. It's hard to like know the difference between being exhausted from the idea and like, and being a bad idea. Like sometimes there's been so many times where I'm like almost going to throw a painting away and then I push through and it ends up being, people love it. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. Or like I, I make something and I don't think it's going to like, I just think, oh, this is, this was easy. And then people are like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I should have just, I should just push through everything. Like there's so many pieces that I was actually just going to throw away halfway through. And then I was like, I just decided to push through and they became really loved. And like, I, I loved them too, like afterwards as well. So it's like, it's hard to know what's not a good idea and what's just an idea you're tired from doing, you know? I think that's really, that's really good advice. And I think it's a interesting takeaway for me even I think some of those books I've been really struggling on, how I solved it was just finishing it. And being like, after you finish it, you can throw it away. Yeah, Yeah. like editing. Yes, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I heard you say that, you know, the story is kind of the difficult part for you. Yeah. And writing a picture book is like writing a puzzle, you know. It's, yeah. like, it, it's just, how is that process? Do you feel like the second one was better experience The second for you? one was easier just because I knew what was coming and I knew, like, how long the process was going to be, like, how long everything takes. But it was still difficult. I feel like the thing that always remains the same is that both of those, I mean, it's only two, but both of those stories have started with like an image, like a finished, like a finished painting in mind, like Zoom, which is like a story about the solar system. I basically wanted it to be like a way for kids to learn the order and the size of the planets. But I imagined when I was like 17 in the shower, it was in the shower. I don't know why. I don't know why I include that detail, but um, I was in the shower and I imagined this like it, you know the the view of the solar system where it's like the sun, then all of the planets. It was like that, but every planet was an animal, and that was in the book now. But it's like yeah, the finished yeah. painting that I had in mind. I was like, "What is this here? That's a really good idea for kids that aren't as engaged with science, because I wasn't as engaged with science. How do we like? What is the what is the driver for this story so we can explore that solar system? And then with bandits, I liked the idea of like a robber, like a masked robber riding a raccoon, because the raccoon naturally has a mask. And then I was like, Why, what are they stealing? And I was like, for some reason, I thought Apple cause. And then I brought that into the meeting with my publisher as well. Like it always just, I'm like, what about this? And they're like, cool. <laughs> so it always starts I, with an image and it's like, what is happening in this? And I feel like all of my paintings are snapshots in time, like a snapshot in a whole character's life. And it's like, what is happening? How, how did they get here? What happens afterwards? I think that's how I figure it out. Yeah, I actually feel like mine is pretty much the same. It starts mm. with like, an impression that is usually like something visual that I find especially intriguing and mm. then say, why? What, yeah. What is why do it? I like it? Yeah. What's happening? And then just like, pull at it. Yeah. Yes. What's happening? What? Yeah. I That's wonder if that thing. will change. I wonder if my process will change. Who knows? Yeah. I, yeah. And I, we had these story experts on the show over the summer that I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Brian McDonald um, and the company he works with, with uh, Jesse Bryan. I subscribe to a lot of their ideas, mm. but they, they talk a lot about like the heart of the story. He calls it the armature. It's like the point of the story and the way that we were talking about it. I agreed with all of that, but then later I thought, Oh, but, it's, but sometimes, or for me, often it happens in reverse. It doesn't happen mm. with the bones meat than the skin. It's usually the opposite where I'm like, okay, I kind of have a, the skin. Mm. I'm like, what is what is this? Why is this compelling to me? <laughs> What's going on? Where am I? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think there's both for, you know, pushing through that middle terrible part yeah. and, and allowing yourself to be like, there's interesting things in my head of why I like this, whether it's my past or whatever. Mm. I think there's a degree of like uh, learning to have faith in yourself. Of confidence, like, creative yeah. confidence. Yeah. 
I agree. I, I've, I think I've messaged you this before a long time ago, but <laughs> I feel like the, the time that I was listening to your podcast the most was when I finished the artwork for my first book and I was going through like creative block because I just didn't trust myself. I found the process really strange. Like I'd never worked with someone for such a big project before. And it was strange to be like, deliver a third of the artwork now, a third of the artwork now. And it was just like, but I haven't seen the full art, full body of work. How am I supposed to deliver this? And I kept redrawing and redrawing and then I stopped trusting myself. And so by the end of the process, I was just like so burnt out. I think I had creative block. I didn't trust anything I was making. I was like, I want to make stuff, but like, I can't. And that's where like when I was really listening to creative pep talk. And so I don't know where I was going with that. I think I just wanted to admit that. So I just wasn't creepily like being like, I love this. Um, but but I think um, losing your creative compass can like stop you from doing things. And the way you get it back is just by pushing yourself to do things again and being like, it's fine. If it's, if it's crap, like it's okay. No one's looking at me. No one cares about me, you know? Yeah, I agree completely. When you were in that time, mm. other than the creative pep talk podcast, what what things, what things, just kidding, what, what did help you finally kind of crack that? So I think it's like accepting it and just like being like time to rest because I was freaking out. I was like, what if this was early on? Like I had, so in 2016, I had stopped, I quit my job as a designer to pursue illustration. We had got an email from a publisher around the same time after I had quit being like, are you interested in this? And I was like, yes, yes, this is what I've always wanted to do. We did it. And then afterwards I was like, I feel broken now and I'm like what if I'm what if I'm not good enough to be an illustrator what if I'm not meant to be this and this is what I thought I wanted to do for all these years and I'm not I can't like because I clearly can't cope because I can't draw now I feel that I can't make anything after this and I felt so like low like I didn't have any self-confidence in what I was making la 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 in the process and I felt out of place well rah and then a few months into that creative block this was like it was like a few months of creative block it was really awful actually and then so a, a month or so in I had coffee with a friend Frida who she teaches illustration at UTS which is a university here in Sydney she's also like an illustrator as well I think she's just authored and illustrated her own book we met we brought like heavy bags full of picture books and we're like this one's great and we were sharing with each other what we liked and I asked her if she'd ever gone through creative block because she seems so prolific and she had just gone through a style change where she went from really really creepy dark work to like really colorful beautiful work I mean the other stuff was beautiful too but like it's all beautiful and she just said like yeah she, there was a time she couldn't draw for six months and then I saw that she had gotten through that big period of not being able to make anything um and it made me feel okay with it because I was like, it can be fine. Cause I was trying so hard. I was like, no, like what's wrong with me? Like try harder, try harder. You're not trying hard enough to get through. And then once I knew that it just happened sometimes and you have to just rest and live with it. And I saw my peers going through it. I had like, I was privy to that information. I think I calmed down a little and I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit in it and like, it's fine. And for some reason, this is not because of the creative block, but I had a trip to London booked. And so like being out of the studio and not being able to work because I wasn't in the studio, I wasn't reminded like every day, what are you doing? Like time's running out, la la la. I traveled and I was absorbing inspiration. I was going to galleries and stuff. I think that is how I did it. It was like accepting that I need rest. It's big part of the creative process is rest and recharging. And I was taking in inspiration, taking in new things. I was out of my environment. And I think that really helped me feel inspired and pulled me out of that block. And at the same time, Instagram stories was introduced and I started like drawing faces on objects. And that's when I first started like making inanimate objects alive. Like, I don't know, it was just really weird. It's just like, just coincidence. Just like, I don't know, just like lucky. I got I, out of it. <laughs> that, you just described... A, a very compelling framework for escaping burnout, which I took <laughs> notes on. And then we're uh -oh. like, I don't know, it was luck. I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was luck, but I, I feel fortunate to have gotten out of it because it was so awful. And like, I really sympathize with people when they're like, I have it. It's like, obviously there's an element of, are you uncomfortable making or are you actually burnt out? And if it's, you're actually burnt out, you need to rest. It's like, oh. Just to throw it back at you, I think, what I took away from that is like when you really, really hit a wall, finding ways to rest, finding peers seems like a big thing of just yeah. like relating. I think seeing it mirrored, that yeah. kind of like validation yeah. seemed like that helped a lot. Yeah. It's also like hard because we, oh, I don't know how your 
like if you work by yourself in your studio or what, but it's just like, I spend so much time alone in my studio and it's like, there's no one to be like, that's okay. Like, I feel like that too. You're just like, oh my God. Like, obviously we're looking online and we're like comparing our, comparing, what do people say? Like comparing their highlight reel to your like BTS or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, we're silly. (laughs) I also think the pure thing, it's interesting, as you said that of like, Mm. I've also tried to be mindful of like who, cause I think in the art world, sometimes your peers there, there are peers that are actually going to do more harm to you than good. Mm, and I think you need mm-hmm. to figure that out too, because sometimes yeah. you, you ever have like, you get in a conversation with an artist and they're just like putting daggers in you, secret oh daggers. My gosh. Oh I my gosh. Freak, I can't deal with that. When I um, first started showing a studio, I was showing this guy, I'm not going to drop names, but he was just like, it wasn't that bad. It was just like, it was a realization point. So he was like, we were talking about something. I don't know. It was something to do with like an art movement. And I had studied art and design. So like, art doesn't art theory was a part of my course and he was just like oh you know so much about art like why did you decide to be an illustrator and I was like what (laughs) I was like I didn't like I was like oh I'm not an artist I am an illustrator interesting (laughs) like I didn't know that there was a distinction and I'm like at the time I was like oh that's so painful and like oh my god he hates me or something I don't know he was like a serious (laughs) artist like geometric work whatever like very like abstract (laughs) very conceptual and I'm just like what you see is what you get. Like there's some things, but it's mostly like what you see yeah. is what you get. Like it's easy to understand and experience. But I was like, oh wow, like I'm not serious. And I think that sparked the whole like, oh, how do people perceive my work? Rah, 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 rah. And as you said, like in the end, that's a good thing to go through because then you can be more confident in who you actually are. And yeah, but that was, that was one moment. I was like, wow, I'm not an artist. I am an <laughs> illustrator only. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. But I honestly, I, that's a good... That's a good thing to highlight because I've only, I'm 35 and I feel like I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, I'm going to guard myself from people that Mm -hmm. are trying to secretly hurt me. How can you tell, (laughs) like, how, how, is there like a red flag, like creative red flags? Yeah, that's good. We're going to have to come up with the creative red flags. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's another episode. I'd love to Mm. think about that because I do, I think it's been a big problem. I feel like the design industry more than the illustration industry mm. feels like there's a lot more of that. I'm not sure why. And maybe mm. that's just my own bias. The illustration industry feels a little bit friendlier to me. Are there like some... as many freelance designers as there, like, are they designers a part of studios or the toxic one? You don't have to say if you don't want to, but the, are the toxic ones a part of like, is it the company structure that's stressing them out? Like job insecurity because they're not in control of everything or something? I don't know. And I, and, and you know, I, I don't even trust myself. I'm sure it's just my own little anecdotal experiences and me internalizing things, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It could, could also be just the, and this isn't all a bad thing, but it could be just that in the design practice, critical thinking is such a big deal that mm-hmm. I think it maybe spills out into just being bitchy. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Do you think that they're like, you're not cool. You're not serious. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. You don't take it, like we take what we do seriously, but it doesn't have to feel serious to look at. Like, I don't want people looking at this being like exhausted. (laughs) I want them to be happy when they look at it. It's escapism. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) For everyone. And I I think, and there's all these different, I think creativity art exists for, there's a whole range of why it exists. And, you know, but I, that's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to think about that because I do think, you going to see this particular peer was very revitalizing for you. Yeah, in the end. At the time, yeah. I was like, it was like sparking insecurity. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I was young as well. And I was like, I'm already not taken seriously because I'm young. Like, I was oh, in I a studio I- full of guys. I'm like, I'm or- am I not being taken seriously because I'm a girl? Like, all these things. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm not serious. So I've got to be yeah. serious. Otherwise, no one's going to take me seriously. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I also meant the artist later when you were burnt out your friend oh is a yeah oh yeah That's yeah yeah I mean. yeah that was amazing yeah. she was great yeah yeah, yeah. it's really important those, I, yeah I think that's also why your podcast is so good it's like some people don't have like some people have social anxiety some people don't want to go to shows and network with people some people don't meet other creatives some people haven't studied with other creatives so they don't have that network and it's like a great place for younger creative start or creatives that don't have as much of a network because you're sharing your struggles and you're sharing the creative experience with with people that may not have access to it other than your podcast, you know what I mean? And through like YouTube videos and stuff like that. They don't have that conversation. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, and there's also just the ebbs and flows, you know, 
pandemic, for instance, that it's hard to seek out, you know, lots of people. Mm. Um, but there's just different times in your life. There were times in my life where those peers were people right next to me. And there were times where the, I had to seek out those peers, like you said, remotely listening to a podcast, just finding stories that made me feel less yeah. alone, you know? Yeah. Same. So I want to go re- real quick back to the rest period. One question I had there was when you didn't feel like you could draw, Mm. Were you able to make YouTube videos? I think at that time, I can't, I can't really remember. I think at that time, I think it would have been harder. Like now I have a contract, so I've got sponsorship contracts. So I make a video every month. Next year, it's going to be two videos a month. So there's like not really room to not make the videos, but the videos are very loose. They can be whatever. So it doesn't have to be illustration if I can't illustrate, which is great for me. But at the time, I didn't think I had that. I don't think I had that. So I didn't need to. So I didn't. If I didn't need, if I couldn't, I didn't. Like I'm kind of... There was a time where I was like, I've got to post every day. Like when I was young, I was like, post every day. You know, it's good for you. But like now, but now I'm like, if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to post for like a month. It's not good. It's, it, it's like two extremes. It's like, can you just meet somewhere in like the middle? Where it's like a healthy relate, you know? I completely but, relate. There's lots of times where I'm like, I, I think there, uh, the, the reason I asked about the YouTube thing was mm. because I found that having a few different types of creativity makes it kind of like a farm in that you're like, yeah. you know, you're able to switch up the crops or yes. you're like, this is now the cow's milk is feeding the yes. goats and the goats, you know, <laughs> they're, they're fertilizing the corn and it's just all. And so yeah. like when I'm, when I'm stuck in the illustration, sometimes I can do pod and sometimes I'm doing a podcast. I'm like, uh, I lay down on the ground because I'm like, I can't say anything. I don't, yeah. don't want to talk. Yeah. I agree. Like, it's really good to be able to switch up between everything. So, like, the stuff that we do, when I say we, I just mean because I have a, a producer who works with me on all my projects. So, like, that's why I say we. We do uh, the commercial illustration side. We do, like, the personal illustration side, which is just, like, paintings and stuff like that. I do videos, sponsored content, and, like, store drops. And that's, like, all of our creative things and like money things and so like if one thing drops off or I don't want to do that thing we can just swap and because it's such a small like we don't have a lot of people working it's just us we can we can interchange really quickly between those two things which I am so happy about because like I like that yeah I do too I really like it the only and having all those buckets has been the best thing in my career for Mm. all of the reasons creative reasons you know career reason everything yeah the only thing that I sometimes struggle with I think it's when I've just like spent too much time alone or something and get in my head is just I think there's a nature of like going all in on something like you know do you ever feel that kind of like pull of you know, what am I? I'm doing all these things. Do you ever have that? I had a lot of struggle with that when I was younger because I there's also that insecurity I had with being online. You yeah. become like an Instagram artist or whatever, which yeah. is fine. Like now I'm fine with that. But at the time I was like, but that means I can't be like, it's like the whole like, oh, you're an illustrator, not an artist. And then in the illustration community, it's like, oh, you're an internet illustrator, not an illustrator. I'm like, who am I? And then I'm also like half Asian, half white. So I'm like, I don't belong anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I feel that pull for sure. The, another bad thing is that there's always something to do when you're doing so much. It's like, it's hard to rest sometimes because you're like, but I could just do that other thing I know I have to do tomorrow that's in that other side of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's the difficult thing about having so many different things. It's like, there's always something to do, which is good and bad. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think it's a great thing to highlight when we were talking about not being precious, romantic about labels, mm. th- how your favorite artist did it in the past. The, every person I know yeah. that is thriving creatively have have divorced themselves from needing a specific label and mm. leaning into the pro- enjoying whatever process it is yeah. and just filtering it wherever that works right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like when I was younger as well, being online, I felt that the the job security is so terrible because it's like, what if this dies? Like, obviously I rely on different platforms to express myself and to reach my audience and stuff like that. But it's like, what if that goes away? Like, what will I do? But now that I'm doing, now I, in my mind, it's like, that is just the mouthpiece for everything I'm doing. I do all of these other things. And if one drops off, it's fine. If Instagram drops off, you still have your website or you've got YouTube or you've got your podcast or la la la. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, the, that I have that, same realization of trying to get to you, you saying like all these different mediums are, are just the, the way of expressing the same thing. 
that has helped me too of realizing like the thing that I am is there is a real core to it and it doesn't matter if it's talks it doesn't matter if it's illustrate client work doesn't matter if it's kids books it doesn't matter it's always the vibe is the the same yep the same thing it's it's coming from the same place yeah and trying to find that center yourself on that and then letting it flow it into whatever's working what's working you know okay so that was rest this finding this peer stories that validate you. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing you talked about going to London. And I, I think this thing of we pour out all the time. And I've talked to my friend Lisa Congdon a lot about this. She talks about how inspiration is that word comes from like inhaling. And I think oh. we have that constant exhale. And I thought about the other day, like, what are the things that when are the moments where I'm high on life? Mm-hmm. When am I super inspired? And I thought, First of all, I never asked myself that question and I can go months, years without doing those things. Yeah. And so like, you know, you going to London and prioritizing filling up, like I feel mm. like we don't prioritize those things. Enough. Yeah. That's also like, sorry to go back to the whole like social media thing, but that's also why it's so great to, to have social media as opposed to having like traditional more traditional or older world illustration stuff is that you can be flexible. You can do whatever, like, because I vlog, if I wanted to go and live overseas and just travel around, I could do that and still like, obviously it's a very specific situation, but I could still like support myself and just vlog while I'm doing all those things. I don't know. Obviously like, I feel like I'm speaking from a place of privilege because I'm already here, but it's just like doing the work at the start when no one's listening leads you to be able to do whatever you want when people are listening. You know what I mean? That is, you're tying it all together there because you, this is what you, this is how I heard that you saying, Oh, I feel like I'm speaking in this place of privilege and, and what you're actually doing. And I think the heart of how I heard it was you're saying what you said at the beginning, where you're like, when you go through that hard bit, mm-hmm. the thing that keeps you going is the vision. Yeah. And so you're just describing like you have to bet on yourself yeah. and go through the hard bit before you get to that other side. Yeah. And so you're just painting the picture of like here's what's at the end of that rainbow, okay? Like here yeah. and you can you, you can imagine you t- saying that to yourself who's like I'm just an illustrator. I'm not even an artist. Like <laughs> going back to that person be like no, it doesn't matter if you're a YouTuber, Instagram artist. It doesn't matter, man. Yeah. Just you have the vision of the stuff you want to do. Like keep as long that in as mind. I, yeah, as long as I can do what I love, like for as long as possible, that's I will do the thing that allows me to do that. I don't really care anymore about like it comes with age, it comes with experience and feeling confident in yourself. But it doesn't matter what people think, as long as you're not hurting anyone. Obviously, I agree completely. That 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 was a, a wonderful way to end it. I wanted to ask one more question. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. I got them all. I did it <laughs> yeah. all. And, the, and you did it and did it so well. Thank you for doing this. Pleasure. This was fantastic. And I'm glad we got to talk. And I hope we get to do this again sometime. Yeah, anytime. Let me know. Okay. Thanks, Sean. Got it. Thanks, Andy. Okay. Thank you, Sean, for coming on here and having a chat with me. It was an absolute joy. I'm a huge fan. You're one of my favorite creators, and I hope we get to do this again. Don't forget, if you don't know Furry Little Peach, go check her out on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, One of my favorite YouTubers. (laughs) This was a ton of fun. Hope you got a ton out of it, and I definitely hope that we get to do this again. Massive shout out to the band Y for the theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Huge thanks to Ryan Appleton and my wife, Sophie Miller, for content assistance. We are part of the Kolu Podcast Network. It is a podcast network designed to fuel your creativity. Don't forget to check out other Kolu podcasts. Uh, Thanks to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing this thing so beautifully. And, And until we speak again, stay pepped up. 